Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about the one true Savior and the plan of salvation. Here in the Old Testament, every sacrifice, the blood covered the sin as a IOU for the true payment to come. It was a temporary provision till the future payment. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Every Jew knew exactly what he was talking about when he said the Lamb of God. Lamb, cut in the throat, animal falling, atonement. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Now, if you want a bargain, you go to a discount or thrift store. But if you want quality, you have to be willing to pay the price. Well, Pastor Xavier says it's the same when it comes to your spiritual worship, and God isn't interested in handing out economy-type blessings. Today, he takes us back to the Old Testament book of Leviticus for an important lesson on devotion titled Dedication and Consecration to God. And so here now in Leviticus, the first seven chapters contain various sacrifices. But in the first three chapters, what you have here is the voluntary offerings. They speak of the person of Jesus Christ. In these first three. Now the offerings have specific design and purpose. In the first offering in chapter one here you have the burnt offering which represents dedication and consecration of one's life totally to God. No reserves but a total giving of one's life to God. Notice the procedure of the burnt offering is in verses three through nine. As I said earlier even though the burnt offering here is the first one in order it was always a sin offering that preceded it. Because you had to get right with God before you can come before Him. This was an offering that was of dedication and consecration, being in a right relationship. But even though you were in a right relationship, there was still an atonement being made because you could not approach God apart from the provisions for access, blood. Leviticus uh, 17.11 tells us that. I have given you the blood for an atonement upon the altar. Now notice the offering requirement in verse 3. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. The offering was the burnt offering for dedication and consecration of one's life completely to God. The word means to offer up or to go up. A person coming and giving everything to God and the evidence is that God, you can consume me. You can take every part of me. I want no part of me. Have all of me. This is what that sacrifice meant. It was the oldest and the most common in Scripture. Even way back in Genesis 4.4, Abel gave the burnt offering while Cain gave the cereal or the grain offering without blood. Noah, in chapter 8, verse 20, offered burnt offerings. Abraham in Genesis 22.3 offered a burnt offering in substitution for Isaac. Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, in Exodus 18.12, he offered burnt offerings as a priest of the Lord. That's an interesting scripture, <laughs> which means God revealed himself to other people before he even revealed himself to Moses. Genesis 24.5, Moses offered burnt sacrifice there at the book of the covenant. And you remember Job in chapter 1, verse 5 of Job, that Job went out and offered burnt sacrifices for his children in case they would sin. 
And so this was the most common, the oldest of sacrifices. Notice the offering was to be made without blemish. The strongest and the most expensive, spotless before a holy God, a male. In the book of Malachi, in chapter 1, verse 8 and 14, Malachi, as you know that book, people were polluted and they were just being hypocritical, coming before the Lord. And Malachi, God speaking through Malachi says, listen, you think I'm satisfied with your burnt offerings that are defiled? You offer me the blind, you offer me the lame, you offer me the spotted. Offer them to your governor, see if they will like them. There's a male in the, in, the, in the flock and you vow that male to me and then it, it comes to, to give it to me and you switch it for one that's lame or blind. It's like the farmer that had a cow that was going to have some calves. And he was so excited and then the veterinarian came and says, he's going to have two. He was excited. He says, honey, the Lord is so good. We're going to have two of them. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give one to the Lord. I'm going to dedicate one to the Lord. And so the time came and the cats were born and, and he was just overjoyed and everything else. So the wife went back in and as they continued there, finishing up the process of the birthing and all that, he came back all bummed out into the house. She says, what's wrong, honey? He says, oh, the Lord's calf died. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? The strongest, spotless, the best do you want to give God your best or your leftovers? The offering was to be of a free will, not by compulsion. This is a principle that's underlined throughout Scripture. Look at the tabernacle from chapter 25 to the end of Exodus. Anyone who has a free will brings silver, gold, wood, everything, free will. God does not want you to serve him. Oh, here we go. Got to go again. No. Are you serving the Lord in Sunday school? Are you serving the Lord in a prayer meeting? Are you serving the Lord in teaching and evangelism and witnessing? Anything. And are you saying, oh, I got to get out. God doesn't need it. God wants you to serve him of a free will because you can't do nothing but that and you will do nothing but that. Of a free will. It's not a compulsion. It's not a heavy weight. It's a privilege and it's a delight because I am the first that receives the benefits of that fruit. I walk with God. And God uses me. Have you ever thought about how amazing that is? We get so impressed by men and by women. Huh, you should be impressed and I should be impressed that God would want to walk with us, that we get to be used by him. Paul says the same principle for giving. He tells the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, you know, the Macedonians gave themselves first and then to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to us. But he says, willingly, not by compulsion. God loves a hilarious giver. Whatever it is of your time, of your money, of anything. But you give hilariously. Don't let any pastor, don't let me pressure you. You be what God wants you to be. And you serve him with your gifts and your calling. And you serve him with your free will from your heart. How would you feel if your wife was forced to love you and be with you? Would you receive it joyfully? No. But that love is joyful and just inexpressible because it is voluntary. And you even scratch your head and say, man, why does she love me? <laughs> How was I so fortunate that she married me? Because you know what a creep you are. <laughs> I'm amazed that God would want to walk with me and I'm amazed that my wife married me. It's God's grace. Notice also that the offering was to be presented at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. 
Nowhere else, before the Lord. Not just anywhere, not just to any God, but where the Lord required it. God wants you to present yourself before his throne every day. He has given you grace. Make access of that grace, man, and go before him. This was God's way of keeping Israel from idolatry. But as you know, as they rebelled, they offered sacrifices anywhere in the high places, under the terebims, under the trees, in the groves. And God was trying to keep them from the practices of the land. God is trying to keep you and myself from the practices of the land. You know how you live your life before. Why would you want to live it like that again? You know what God saved you out of. Why would you want to go back to it? You know the heart you had before. Why do you want to cultivate continually? Man, set your heart on the altar and let that miserable thing go up in flames. And whenever the old man would want to rise up, that you put him on that altar and just barbecue him. Just put him to death. Notice the offerer's involvement in verses 4 on down. But the first thing is that he would lay his hand on, on the head of the animal, verse 4. And that would be accepted on his behalf as an atonement. The Hebrew word here implies a leaning with pressure, the act of transferring sin by identification to the animal. This animal was sinless, spotless, innocent, and I was laying my hands on the head and I was transferring my sin upon him and he was becoming my substitute. This is the imagery. This is the symbolism. The man was not doing something on his own accord. He was following the meticulous direction of God so he can have access to God. Study the scriptures lest you think you can come to God any old way. How is it that I'm to worship God? How is it that I'm to come to him? And today we've got a lot of freelance Christians doing their own thing and saying it's scriptural. The word atonement is kofar. It means to cover. It doesn't mean to forgive completely. When you come to the New Testament, the word atonement, you can break it up at one man. The blood cleanses it completely. But here in the Old Testament, every sacrifice, the blood covered the sin as a IOU for the true payment to come. It was a temporary provision till the future payment. John 1.29, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Every Jew knew exactly what he was talking about when he said the Lamb of God. In their mind, Lamb, hands on the head. Sins transferred, cut in the throat, blood all over the place, animal falling, blood on the horns, atonement. They knew it, but they missed the Lamb of God. He would kill the animal himself. That might be something of a surprise to you. Verse 5, he shall kill the bull. So he would slaughter it. He would cut its throat to impress him with the destructiveness of sin and its consequences. He was to be reminded that sin kills. The wages of sin is death. The book of Romans says, chapter 6, verse 23, the first portion. And every individual who offered a sacrifice, it was vivid in his mind, the consequence of sin. How would you feel? Do you think you would have a better handle on sin if you had to offer a sacrifice every time and you had to kill it? It was not a pretty thing. There was blood over you, blood all over, the squealing and the dropping of that body. Constant reminder of what sin does. Notice also that he was to recognize that he should have died. He took his place. He belonged under that death. And he was to realize that sin was always against God. Therefore, he said it was done before the Lord. 
Notice also he was to skin the burnt offering, which was to be the wages of the priest. And he would cut the sacrifice in pieces in verse 6. Uh, for the priest, he would receive that as his wages. Notice also he would wash the intestines and the legs of the offering with water. Verse 9, the first portion. But he shall wash his entrails and his legs with water. The legs represented his dedication to walk with God. You see, as we walk in this world, we have to clean our act every day, don't we? We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, aren't we? Once and for all. But we also walk in this world, so we have to clean our act up. First John 2, 1 says, my little children, I write these things unto you that you do not make a practice of sin. But if you sin, you have Jesus Christ the righteous, an advocate, a lawyer for the defense to make intercession for you. Our feet speak of the walk in this world. I have to clean my feet every day because I live in this world and I am not perfect. And so here the representation is the feet of the walking with God to cleanse them continually all the time, all the time. All my emotion, all my dedication to God, a total giving of oneself. Paul the Apostle in Philippians 1.8 says in the Old King James, the bowels of mercy. The Hebrew spoke of his his visceral area, as that which committed and affected him, his total being. The Greek speaks of the mind and the heart. And so here is everything, all my energies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. This is what he's saying here. Everything is given to you, my affections, everything is going to be ruled by you. And so here, a representation of the total man given to him. Interesting that Ephesians 5.26 says that Christ will present to himself a church without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. Listen, by the washing of the water by the word. The water represents the word of God. You want to be cleansed? Get into the word of God. John 15.3 says you are cleansed by the words I have spoken unto you. If you're not in the word of God every day, if you're not meditating on the word of God, you're going to get awfully, awfully dirty. Equate the word of God daily to a shower because you need to be cleansed over and over and over again. Notice now the officiating priest and his involvement. Verse 5, the second portion, speaks about Aaron and his son. They'll bring the blood and sprinkle it all around the altar at the door of the tabernacle meeting. So here the priest would take the blood, sprinkle it all around the altar, and it was at the door of the tabernacle. So this was the, the, the brass altar. Notice the priest would prepare the wood on the altar for the fire in verse 7. And then in verse 8, the priest would lay the sacrifice pieces in their order on the fire. So there was a very specific order to represent the individual, totally dedicated before God, totally consumed by God. He was going to give his life. He wasn't going to take it back. Once you put that offering on the altar, you don't take it back. It's consumed. To remind us that when we say, Lord, I'm going I'm to give my life to you, you're going to give your life to him and you're not going to take it back. Regardless of the circumstance, the situation, you are going to be committed. You're going to be faithful. You're going to be loyal. You are totally consumed with God. This is what it speaks about. Again, the head represents the carnal mind of man, which is an enemy against God. Romans 8, 7. The carnal mind is an enmity against God. I mean, this natural mind. It doesn't want to submit to God. It doesn't enjoy God. Therefore, I have to put on the mind of Christ. I have to bring my thoughts into captivity with the weapons that are spiritual, not carnal, bringing down the strongholds that come against the knowledge of God. The fat represents man's own energies, his own res reservoirs, his own resources, that which can come of myself. And let's face it, we can do a lot of things on our own, can't we? And some things we can do pretty good. But 
even the best that you and I can do falls short of what God can do. It's always less. And so this was representation of, hey, Lord, I don't want to depend on my own energies. I know you will use me, but I want to depend on the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, Zechariah 4, 6. Ephesians 5.18 says, continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Jude says, pray in the Spirit. Uh, Galatians says, walk in the Spirit. Over and over and over again. The fruit of the Spirit, agape. And all the manifestations of agape follow there. Both here are dedicated to God. To have His mind and depend on His power. The mind of God and the power of God. The fire is God's activity in acceptance of that dedicated life. So you have the individual and God agreeing and becoming one. Notice also the priest would burn the altar or the entire burnt offering, which became a sweet aroma to the Lord there in verse 9, the latter portion. An offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. The idea is that of pleasing, that which is beneficial, that which is acceptable, that which just delights God. Now, having looked at this, I said that every offering is a type of Christ. Jesus Christ is the anti-type, the fulfillment of that type. The whole Old Testament speaks of Christ. So we want to finish here by looking at the prophetic picture of the burnt offering. Notice first in verse 2. The burnt offering was to uh, incur personal costs of the livestock. It had to cost them something. Paul says, Jesus, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It cost God. Grace is unmerited favor. It's free, but it really wasn't free, was it? It cost God dearly, and it cost Jesus Christ. Being God, he became poor. Being rich, he became poor. Being God, he became man. It cost him. He fulfilled the burnt offering. Philippians 2.7 says he emptied himself of his privilege and made himself of no reputation and was found in the form of a servant. The Word became flesh and tabernacle among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, John 1.14. It cost Him, and He did it for you and myself. In verse 3, the middle portion, the burnt offering was to be a male without blemish. Jesus was announced by the angel Gabriel to Mary as conceived by the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, Luke 1.35. Spotless, without sin, Never having sinned, never could sin. Conceived by the Spirit of God. 100% God, 100% man, according to the prophecy, starting from Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman. Isaiah 7.14, a virgin shall bear a son, he shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah uh, goes on in chapter 9, verse 6, for unto you a son is given, a child is born. And so we see the fulfillment of Scripture throughout. He meets the requirement. Pilate said to the crowd as he brought Jesus forth after the scourging and the mock crowning with the thorns, he says, behold, the man, sinless. I find no fault in this man. Notice, thirdly, the burnt offering was to be of free will. 
Jesus said, no one takes my life, but I lay it down on my own accord, John 10, 18. Free will. When they came to him at the garden, and, they, and he said, I am, and they all fell back. Do you think they thought that they really took Jesus? <laughs> Jesus demonstrated even to those who came to get him, you don't take me. I give myself to you. Amazing. Willingly, free will, knowing the pain, knowing the suffering, knowing the separation from his father, knowing the agony, he did it willingly. But fourthly, notice the burnt offering was accepted on the behalf of the individual as, as an atonement in verse 4. Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many in Mark 10, 45. The Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all, Isaiah 53, 6 says. On our behalf, not on his own. He learned obedience to the things he suffered. He suffered them for us, not for him, for us. But notice, fifthly, that the burnt offering was a bloody sacrifice in verse 5. The blood was caught in a basin. The blood was put on the altar. Peter says we were redeemed not with corruptible things as silver and gold or the manner of traditions of our fathers, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Precious blood, sinless, that could atone for the sins of the world. And Jesus declared to his disciples that the blood was the new covenant of the remission of sins as he celebrated the Passover in Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. Paul told the Ephesian elders that Jesus purchased the church of God with his own blood in Acts 20, 28. Last of all, the burnt offering was a sweet aroma to the Lord, being a total dedication of one's life. The end of verse 9 there. Jesus offered himself an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma, Ephesians 5, 2 says, through the pen of Paul. He fulfills the burnt offering. Jesus said, I always do those things that please the Father, John 8, 29. Sweet aroma. Never disappointed the Father. Sold out. The burnt offering. Total dedication and consecration to the Lord. Let me leave you with this quotation. Dr. F.B. Myers came to a crucial transition time in his ministry. He sat dejectedly in his study, and he said, quote, My ministry is unfruitful, and I lack spiritual power, he said to himself. Now, if you know anything about B.F. Myers, you know he's a great scholar and man of God. But he came to a point in his life where he recognized this. Suddenly, Christ seemed to stand beside him. Let me have the keys of your life, Christ said. The experience was so realistic that he reached into his pocket and took out a bunch of keys. Are all the keys here? Yes, Lord, all except the key to one small room in my life. Christ said, if you cannot trust me in all rooms of your life, I cannot accept any of the keys. Dr. Meyer was so overwhelmed with the feelings of Christ was moving out of his life because he was excluding him from one interest of his life that he cried out, come back, Lord and take the keys to all the rooms of my life. That's what God desires. In a diary entry of Jim Elliot, the Aqua Indian martyr wrote this, God, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life that I may burn for thee. Consume my life, my God, for it is thine. I seek not a long life, but a full one, like you, Lord Jesus. What are you looking for? 
a long life or a full life? What rooms are you holding back from the Lord that are keeping you from receiving the best of God? I pray that you become a burnt offering, dedicated and consecrated to God. Pastor Xavier Reese with a poignant challenge for those who are lost to surrender to the one true Savior. And you can request a copy of today's important study from the book of Leviticus called Dedication and Consecration to God. It's available on CD for just $4. And this message also contains what Pastor Xavier shared with us last time we were together. The title to ask for once again is Dedication and Consecration to God. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Now, if we've been set free then why do we continue to struggle with sin? Find out more when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 